going to start out in the book of Acts, chapter number 10, starting at verses number 9. If you have your Bible or your electronic device, lift it above your head and let's make our declaration of faith. If I can get just a little push in my monitors here, please, just a little push in my monitors. Everybody shout, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer and not just a hearer. And my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. Book of Acts chapter number 10, starting at verses number 9, the Bible declares, About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Eleven declares he saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Here's the word. Then the voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Peter's response was, surely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. God speaks back to him in verse number 15 and says, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened how many times, y'all? Three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Father, now in Jesus' name, I want to thank you once again for this opportunity. I pray, God, that the words of my mouth and the very meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. Realize, God, I'm absolutely, positively, nothing without you, God. I'm asking for your hand to rest upon me, God. Not for Greg, not for my honor, not for my glory. But God, yes, I want you to be glorified, but Lord, I want your people, God, to be reached, touched, edified, built up, even challenged, God, pointed in the right direction so that at the end, our lives can bring you all the glory and honor. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says, amen. Let's dive into this. Book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 5, verse number 23, the Apostle Paul highlights a truth concerning the makeup of man. It's a prayer that he gives to God. And he says, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, holy, meaning completely, not holy as in separated or sanctification, holy completely. And he says, I pray, God, your whole, watch this, spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in this particular scripture, it's speaking to the triunity of man. Man is a tripartite being, in essence. I am a spirit, I live in a body, and I possess a soul. Everybody repeat that with me. Everybody shout, I am a spirit. Now let's pause there for a second. You are not your body. You are not your body. You are not your body. The Bible declares to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Well, if I can be absent from this body, I must not be my body. You are a spirit. Let's say it again. Everybody shout, I am a spirit. Shout, I live in a body, and I possess a soul. This truth is also spoken to in Genesis chapter number two, verse number seven, where the Bible declares, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So God forms the body of the dust of the ground, and he blows the human spirit, not the spirit of God, but he blows the human spirit, who you really are, into the physical body that he formed of the dust. 
And the moment the spirit hit the body, it produces the soul. Now, the soul is the thing that gives you distinction and uniqueness. There are five faculties of the soul, the will, the mind, the intellect, emotions, and imaginations. With the will, that's your desire. Your mind is the awareness. Intellect is the reasoning ability of the soul. Emotions are how you feel. Imagination is a powerful thing of the soul. It gives you the ability to go beyond where you physically are, to see yourself in a place that you're currently not, so that you can properly navigate to that destination. These are the five faculties of the soul. Now, the secular term for the study of the soul is called psychology, and I want to highlight that definition. Psychology, the study of the human mind and its function, especially those affecting behavior in a given context. So, Pastor, why are you going here? Um, I've been challenged by a couple of saints, and I thank God for it. I, I am well open to, like, constructive criticism um, when, you know, people kind of give me feedback on my message, what they think. And I had some people that were like, you know, your message is really kind of psychological. Local, local, local. <laughs> and and it, it, I don't see a lot of whole bunch of scriptures in, in your message like you normally do. And, and I, I understand what you're saying, but he, here are my thoughts. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. Any pursuit in psychology is only an endeavor to seek an understanding of, of what God has created. That's all I'm doing. When, when, I, when, when you see portions of my messages that are kind of rooted a little bit in psychology or rooted in science, all I'm doing is just giving you a secular approach to understanding what God has done. Added to that, therefore, psychology and all science only become perverted when it seeks to explain away the creating hand of God. So in essence, what's the real problem with the Big Bang Theory? What's the real problem with evolution? It seeks to explain the creation of God without the creator. It's actually uh, kind of crazy because how can you explain an intelligent design without an intelligent creator? How can you explain something so beautiful and not connected to a beautiful mind to see what, are y'all with me in this, in this place? So, so today, and as we have in the past couple of weeks today, and for the, at least a possible another two weeks, I'm going to be dealing with these healthy habits. And a lot of what I'm going to be saying, watch this, the Bible may not teach it explicitly, but it supports what it is that I'm getting ready to teach. Are y'all with me? So let's dive just a little bit deeper. Um, I need some help. Uh, Pop, uh, how much you weigh, sir? 240 pounds. Okay. DJ, how much you weigh? 220. Okay. Don't worry, sisters. I'm not going to ask you. <laughs> Look, babe, you finna have a messed up birthday. I ain't, ain't going to ask no sister. Eat. <laughs> Even if she at the weight she want to be, it's still an offense to ask her. So I got 240 here. You said 220? 220. DJ was sitting down at the table one day, and, and I, I said, hey, how you doing? He was getting to stand up. I said, no, just stay seated. Because every time he stand up, it's like, what's up? <laughs> 220. Uh, Shiloh, how much you weigh, sir? 240. Okay, y'all in the same club. Okay. Okay, all right, it's all right. All right. So I got 240. 240, 220. Watch this. The human brain weighs three pounds and consumes, on average, about 20% of your daily 
metabolic energy. So out of 240 pounds, Shiloh, your brain, out of 240 pounds, your brain weighs on average about three pounds of that 240. But it consumes about one-fifth of your daily met. That's why you can lay in the bed all day and still be tired. Because if your mind is running, you are using energy. The brain is an energy hog. And so what God did to help you to conserve energy, he designed the brain so that it can create loops and patterns so it doesn't have to work so hard. These loops and patterns, we know them as habits. And habits are subconscious patterns of behaviors triggered by cues or cravings, motivated by psychological in rewards and strengthened through repetition. I'll give you that again. It's a subconscious pattern. What do you mean subconscious? So, so I'm, I'm teaching my, my, my baby girl, uh, Charity, teaching her how to drive. And right now, driving is not subconscious. It is very conscious. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And I need it to be. But there's coming a day in the future that driving is going to be subconscious to her, just like many of you all, um, especially those of us who come to this particular building every Sunday morning for a 1030 service. You probably do not remember putting your right foot in the car, left foot in, closing the door, pushing start, putting it in reverse, looking at your camera, preferably Lady McGee, lifting your heads to look around. I mean, the camera do say that. Please turn your head. It say something like that. Driving out of your, backing out of your driveway, putting it in drive, going down your street, putting on your signal, making your right turn, making your left turn, going straight, making your left turn, making your right turn, coming into the parking lot, putting it in park, opening the door, left foot out, right foot out. You probably don't remember every little step because your mind put that process on autopilot. It says we do this every Sunday, so let's not have to think, let's not use a lot of energy trying to figure this out every single time. Let's put this on a loop so as soon as it's Sunday morning cue, this is the pattern of behavior, and the psychological end reward is we get to church safely. <laughs> to be honest with you, that's why some of y'all fuss on the way to church, because you ain't got to think about driving, so your mind like, let's do something. <laughs> Did you? Why you didn't? Okay, I'm going to leave y'all alone. So, everybody shout, habits are good. Say it again. Habits are good. Watch this. Habits are good until they're bad. It's good. I'm so, gra watch this. I'm so grateful. It's a habit how I walk. It's, it's, it's a habit how I, one foot in front of the other. I don't have to think about it. It'd be very, very difficult for me to do what I'm doing right now if I had to think about what I'm going to say and think about how I'm going to at the same time. It's, it's a routine. My, my mind, my brain has put this routine on autopilot, and there are many habits that you have developed. And again, God created your mind to produce habits so it don't have to work so hard. 
And habits are good until they're bad. I want to highlight a bad habit in the scripture amongst the disciples. The disciples had a habit of constantly marginalizing anyone outside of their group. It was just a habit. Whenever somebody showed up that wasn't like them, because understand, the Jewish people in general, they're very prideful about themselves. But understand that the disciples are not only amongst this Jewish race, but they're the chosen of Jesus. And so it's ingrained in them that anybody that's not like us, they're inferior to us and can't join our group. Let me give you an example. Luke chapter number 9, verse number 51. The Bible declares, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who sent, who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. Watch this. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. Look at the disciples' response. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? They weren't like, well, just forget them, let's go another. They were like, Jesus, how about we just kill them all? <laughs> of course, this is not Jesus' attitude. He turns and he rebukes them. Look at John 4, 27. Jesus is having a conversation with a Samaritan woman outside of their group, but this Samaritan woman is getting ready to go back to her village, and the whole village is going to turn to Jesus. But the disciples looking like, who is this woman? When they come back from getting something to eat, the Bible declares in verse number 27, Jesus, just then, the, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking to her? They didn't ask, but they wanted to. Who is this woman? What you want? Why are you talking to my teacher? Luke 9, 49. Master, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he is not one of us. Jesus says, do not stop him, for whoever is not against us is for you. They got this habit Every time, hmm, that's why God, God, is, God is, in this message, in this series of studying, God has given me such a grace and such a mercy and such a compassion for folk that's not like me. He really has. He really has. Because I see some people that are doing, if we, if we look at habit by the definition, it's a subconscious action. You've done it so much that you don't even have to think about it. You just automatically do it. And there are some people that have prejudices. There are some people that have racial issues. There are some people that have some feminine issues, so forth and so on, that watch this. It's just in them, and they, they will offend you. They will say certain things. They will do certain things. And they're not even consciously thinking about it because this in a habit loop. Matthew 19, 13, the Bible declares... Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. Again, these kids ain't in our group. What the disciples do? Y'all get these kids out of here. Jesus ain't laying hands on no babies today. The Bible declares the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. These boys are so ingrained with this pattern of behavior that they don't even recognize it. So the same God, watch the wisdom, 
The same God that designed your brain to create habits, to conserve energy, is the same God that has a design for when you create bad habits that need to stop. And that's what I want to deal with today. What does God do when you have a bad habit that you're unconscious of? And all of us have blind spots. Can I get an amen in this place? All of us have blind spots. All of us have subconscious things that we do that we don't really see, but everybody else around us see. And I want to show you the next couple of weeks, we're going we're gonna to talk, we're going to dissect a habit. We're going to dissect the cues, the pattern, and the rewards and the cravings. But what I want to do today, I want to deal with the initial thing that God does when he wants to help you to stop a bad habit. Now watch this. In the book of Acts chapter number 10, around our foundational text, the Bible declares, verse number one, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. Now we got a problem right here because Cornelius, who's an outsider, God is dealing with him and he's challenging him to go get somebody who thinks less of him. Now, if Peter comes to talk to Cornelius right now, he's going to blow it because he has a habit of marginalizing anybody that's outside of his group. So this is what God does whenever there is a habit that he wants to break or a habit that he wants to deal with and challenge you to change. God will give you what's called a conscious interrupt. A conscious interrupt is defined as a psychological confrontation designed to reapply energy and deliberate thought to a subconscious behavioral pattern. I mean, it, it's, like, it's like this. It's like this. Let me give you an example. So you've become so accustomed, so accustomed to driving with your left hand and doing this with your right hand. And people have told you, you sure need to stop that. You need to put the phone down and stop texting and driving, and you'll, you'll put it down, Greg Stephen McGee Jr. You'll put it down when I'm not looking. But when you're driving and you don't know I'm behind you, and I call you while you're texting, and you look up, <laughs> the subconscious interrupt, watch this, it's not until you actually get in trouble where you run in the back of somebody or almost have an accident does it interrupt your pattern where you actually start reapplying thought to a pattern that you've... So this guy, Peter, God is sending him to minister to somebody that he has a habit of mentally marginalizing. So what God is going to do to Peter, he's going to give him a conscious interrupt. You see it in Acts chapter number 10, verse number 9. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey, 
and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. A trance is this meditative state where your body, where you're mentally aware, but your body is idle. I've only been in once, one once in my life where I was, I was, I was mentally and visually aware of everything with me, around me, and God was ministering to me, but I had no physical control over my body. That's where Peter is right now. God, it's like God arrest his body so I can speak into your mind. The Bible declares he saw heaven open and something like a Lord sheep being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him, what, y'all? A second time, because habits are strengthened through repetition. And in order for a habit to be broken, oftentimes God has to repeat himself or allow situations to repeat themselves in order for you to rightfully wake up to a subconscious pattern that needs to be broken. Is anybody with me in this place? Verse number 16 declares this happened how many times, y'all? Three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. So one time, he sees this meat that he as a Jew does not eat, and he hears the voice, rise and eat, kill and eat. He says, no, I've never eaten anything like this in my life. It happens again. The sheet comes down. He hears the voice, rise and kill, Peter. No, I've never eaten anything like this in my life. He come, it happens again. He hears the voice the third time. He says nothing, and he's puzzled because evidently God is interrupting something on the inside of me that I've grown accustomed to. So he wakes up out of the dream. The three men come to him, take him to Cornelius' house, and this is what he says. The next day, Peter started out with him, with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. He said to them, these are Peter's words, you are well aware that it is against, everybody shout, our law. He says, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. Now, I looked at that word law, Pop, and so I said, it's, it's got to be a connection somewhere. Help me to understand this. I looked in Exodus, I looked in Leviticus, I looked in Numbers, and I saw no Moses, no Jew, uh, a Jewish law that forbidden a Jew to be in the house with a Gentile. So if he's not talking about the law of God, what is he talking about? He's talking about the custom of his people, the habits of his people. We have developed a habit where we don't even go into the house of somebody that's not like us. But he says, but God, somebody shout, but God. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. God has confronted me concerning my habit of marginalizing people outside of my group through this confrontation. Now, you would think if God spoke to him, let me just put it on y'all. You would think if God spoke to you three times, you'd be ready to change. I mean, three times in a trance, in an open vision, God shows him this situation and, and, and he gets up. He goes down to Cornelius' house. 
He ministered Cornelius, and the Spirit of God falls upon all, on all of them. Verse uh, Chapter number 11, he goes back to his Jewish community, and they getting ready to dog Peter out. And Peter like, hold on, y'all. Yo, don't, don't do it like that. I had a vision. God showed me this. I went down there and preached, and the same Holy Spirit that fell on us fell on them. You would think Peter would be convinced he would stop this habitual deal that's going on, but how many know God will take it to the next level if you don't stop? God is going to send him another conscious interrupt because although it's, you know how it is, you get fired up about a diet and you're like, I'm on it, girl. I'm eating right. I'm waking up at 3 a.m. I'm walking there, but not 3 a.m., praise the Lord. I'm waking up at 5, 5.30 good. Some of y'all like 8. I'm waking up at 8 o'clock and I'm going for a walk and you're good for three weeks and then you fall off. And God has to send you another conscious interrupt. That's what he does for Peter. Now watch this. Look how God takes it to the next level. Galatians chapter number 2, verse number 11. When Cephas came to Antioch, this is the apostle Paul, he says, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. So he kind of had it, right? Kind of had it, but... When they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. 13, this is why God had to do it openly because what you're doing now is not just hindering your ministry, not only is it affecting your call, but now other folks are looking to you and they're following your pattern. Verse 13 declares, the other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas, which is Paul's companion, the Bible declares he was led astray. 14, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, Peter, in front of everybody, God uses Paul to give Peter another conscious interrupt to stop this bad pattern of behavior because now it's influencing everybody. You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish custom? God gives him, everybody shout, a conscious interrupt. He gives him a conscious interrupt. Hmm. You know what? Someone's meditating on this. This is what some of you guys are, are doing. You fighting folk who God has sent to wake you up. There are people who have said things to you about blind spots that you don't see clearly. Why don't you see it clearly? Because your mind you have done it so long. Your mind, this is the way God designed your brain. Your brain says, your mind says, whenever this happens, this is what we do. So you on autopilot. You can't even see it. You can't even feel it. And God sends a Paul to you to say, hey, that's wrong. And now you mad at the Paul that God sent. And so if you're going to fight Paul, how many know about the same token? Now you fighting God. So God sends people to give us conscious interrupts. He allows situations 
to give us conscious interrupts. Where are you going with this? We started a series about four weeks ago entitled Healthy Habits. And I'm playing off that word healthy because how many know God wants you to be in health physically, according to the scripture, as your soul prospers? Matter of fact, I'll put that last, put that last scripture on the, on the uh, screen. I want to make sure I'm quoting that right. 3 John 2, dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. Now, the worship team was up here doing an amazing job. Did that bless y'all? This is what's happening during worship. This is what's happening when atmospheres are created like what was created just a moment ago. You come into a building like this and spiritually you're depleted. The reason you're depleted is because how many know serving God drains you? Real talk. Let me just say it plainly. Doing what's right makes you tired. <laughs> okay, y'all going to look at me like that? How many of y'all wanted to cuss somebody out? And you chose not to. Now, I know some of y'all did. Some of y'all wanted to and you did. And watch this. It took every ounce of energy in you not to go back to the old you. How many ex-fighters do we have in here? Now, some of y'all still fighters. I ain't talking to you. I'm talking to the ex-fighters. I'm talking about the kind of fighters when you was in the seventh grade, somebody come up to you and say, after school, I'm going to get you, and you just hit them right then and there. <laughs> Let's not wait till after school. How about we do it now? And that's the old you, and now you got somebody in your face talking smack, and you, you, you just reminisce to just sixth, seventh grade, like, girl, if you only knew who you were dealing with, if you only knew. And it took every ounce of energy to refrain from going back to what, watch this, what was easy for you to do. So when you come into a service like this on a Sunday morning, you look good on the outside, but spiritually you are depleted. Are y'all with me in this place? So watch this. So when you come into a service with worship going on, with word going on, praise going on, this is what God is doing. God is pouring into you. He's pouring into you. He's pouring into you. He's pouring into you. He's strengthening you. He's building up your spirit. Why does he want to build up your spirit so you can go out there and serve him even more? Because watch this. If you drive from here to Dallas and you never fill up, you're going to run out of gas. And if you run out of gas, you're going to be stuck on the side of the road, depending on somebody else to come pick you up and take you the rest of the way. Everybody shout, God wants me to be spiritually strong. So on a Sunday morning, God comes in and he pours into you. Here's the problem. Let me be very, very transparent and very, very bold about this. God is pouring spiritual energy into vessels 
that have a pattern that won't last as long as the poor. Let me, let me try to clean it up and say it a little bit better than that. Your physical body should last as long as the spiritual poor. Put that scripture back on the screen, sir. Third John. Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that your watch this, that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. So I want your physical body to be able to handle and last as long as the spiritual poor is coming on the inside of you. This is what's happening in the body of Christ. Okay, you know what? I can't get you back on drugs no more. I can't get you hooked up with your old girlfriend no more. I can't get you hooked up and crazy no more. So you know what I'll do? I will help you die before your time. Come on, somebody. Since I can't get you back to serve me, I just want to snuff you out early so this spiritual poor that God keeps giving you, that your body, you won't be around long enough to use the poor that God has given you. So you look at a message like this and it looks real secular. They ain't go with that psychological lock locker lock stuff. They ain't go with that scientific stuff again. They ain't go talking about health again. But God is concerned not just about the spiritual poor. He's concerned about the temple that he's pouring into. Can you say amen to that? So this is what we said. We said if you're going to be serious, if you're going to be serious about Building healthy habits. Everybody shout healthy habits. If you're going to be serious about building healthy habits, there are five areas that you need to consider. And this is very practical. Here's number one. Partnering with caring professionals. That should be, that should be your doctor. That should possibly be a trainer. That should possibly be a, 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 an accountability partner. A caring professional. Number two, Balancing the number and quality of daily calories. Now, you could be as strict as having a MyFitnessPal where you log every single thing that you eat, or you can just meal prep so you can know about what you're going to put in your body, or you can just at least plan out and know what you're going to eat. And even if you're going to have a cheat meal, everybody shout cheat meal. It's called a cheat meal, not a cheat day, or a cheat weekend, or a cheat week. Some of y'all, that ain't God. Yes, it is. Number three, strengthening underdeveloped muscles. Number four, cardiovascular endurance, because you can strengthen this muscle, but if this one fail, number five, physical rest and recovery. Now, this is, this is what I know right now. If I don't know that, that means I missed. And I don't believe I missed. Don't believe I missed. Here, last one of us in here. Hmm. Just like God brings about a conscious interrupt into our spirit. How many of y'all know what it's like um, to not be on your prayer regiment like you should? And God sometimes allows a situation to pop off that drives you back into your prayer closet. That's all God did. He just sent a conscious interrupt. And you'd be like, if I would have been praying that, it's probably so. Huh? You know? <laughs> Thank you, G. So, so, some of y'all know what it's like. I just, just laid out. I don't, I don't feel like going. There. I just don't feel like going today. And you get a phone call, and you're like, let me go on and get dressed. 
So, so just like God is concerned about spiritual disciplines, and none of us are perfect, so we all get off every once in a while in one or the other. My prayer life, my fellowship, my personal time with God, my prayer time, my Bible study time, my fasting life. My, my fasting life, that's what God has challenged me with last year, that I've done a much better job this year. Praise the Lord. The Bible doesn't say if you fast, it says when you fast. And, and I, I was like, well, when you tell me, I fast. But he said, no, that ain't the deal. This is an offering to me. So you offer your body as a living sacrifice. So my wife, to, to bless her for, if she got to tell me to bless her for her birthday, what kind of blessing is that for real, y'all? What kind of relationship is that? So just like God, watch this, psychologically, consciously, sends interruptions to disrupt subconscious patterns that are bad spiritually. Because you can get kind of lazy. Too much TV, too much this, too much that, and spiritually you get off. God sends the same thing physically for this physical body. Again, because he's pouring Say it like this. He pouring good stuff into tired bodies. Good stuff into weak bodies. So I think it's safe to say that all of us in here, in one of these five categories, God has sent a conscious interrupt. Now let me show you what the devil will do. The devil will be like, so I'm, I'm teaching a message like, a message like this, and, and, and the devil will be like, I'm just messing up in all of them. I'm just so overwhelmed. I don't know what I'm going to do. I ain't eating right. I ain't exercising. I ain't lifting no weights. I ain't sleeping at night. I just ain't, God, just take me. <laughs> don't pray that prayer, all right? This is what God is doing, and I want to help you. Habits stack. Habits actually build on top of each other. And there's some of you all that are overwhelmed because you're trying to go home and you're trying to change everything about your life. When the reality is, God is saying, I really just want you to change one thing. Because when you change this one thing, it has a domino effect that all the rest of them change. Because just like bad habits build on top of each other, good habits also build on top of each other. So I'm in this situation. God is teaching me this, and I'm thankful that he's teaching me this. And, and I'm like, God, what needs to be, what needs to be changed? Because I'm, 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 I, I need to do better, Lord. My, my cardio is not where it needs to be. My strength training is not where it needs to be. My eating regimen is not where it needs to be. My rest is not where it needs to be. I need help. You need to help me. And so this is what God told me. Go to bed at night. That's what he said, Judge. Go to bed at night. So here's the problem. I got a problem. I got a problem. I got a problem. Here's my problem. Here's my problem. I ain't whining. I ain't complaining. Real talk. I'm not whining. I'm not complaining. But literally, my life is given to people all day, every day. And God, you trying to take the one thing over, just the one thing that's just for Greg McGee. I wa like watching TV at night because... My wife going to fall asleep, <laughs> and I get to watch what I want. So she'd be like, I want to watch this. Sure. Five, four, three, two, 
Why? Then I get to watch what I want. So I'm like, God, you're going to have to help me with this. So I, somebody shout, Lord, help me. Put, put, put those uh, healthy habits on the screen again. Put, put them on the screen again. Those five. There you go. So I think it's safe to say everybody in here, one of these five, God is challenging you. He's challenging you concerning partnering with a caring professional, balancing your number of calories and the quality of calories, strength training, cardiovascular endurance, and physical rest. God started with number five with me. Initially, I became overwhelmed because I was trying to do everything. But God says, I just want you to rest. It was hard for me to rest at night. So I got to figure this thing out. I got to develop a new habit of actually going to sleep at night. And I actually found out what my problem was. My problem, Judge, wasn't that it, I was watching TV. The problem was it was the type of shows that I was watching. So I can still watch TV at night. I just can't watch The Flash no more. <laughs> What's wrong with The Flash? The Flash is one of those suspense episodes that it always ends 42 minutes and 13 seconds later with a setup that draws you into watching the next show. And you be like, it'd be like 11 o'clock, but just one more. And now it's 11.43, and you be like, oh, Lord, what's going to happen to him, Jesus? I'm praying for him. I try to spiritualize it. God, let Barry be all right. Netflix be like 20, 19, 18. I be like, okay. <laughs> then I watch that one, and then they set me up again 42 minutes before I know it. It's 3 a.m. in the morning, and I'm like, God, I just got to, ah. Watch this. This is what I learned. This is what I, what? I, I learned about myself. Why was God challenging me with my rest? Because when I don't rest at night, I'm less likely to wake up in the morning and actually exercise like I plan to. And usually, nine times out of ten, if I don't exercise, I ain't going to eat right. And if I don't eat right, I sure ain't finna call none of my accountability partners to let them know. <laughs> Put those five back on the screen. So this is where God started with me. He said, go to bed at night. So the problem wasn't watching TV. It was the suspense shows that I was watching. So we still watch TV. We're we on a series. I ain't going to tell you what we're watching, but we're on a series right now. And it's more, you know, funny, whatever. It don't really grab my attention. It's, it's one of them funny shows. You already know what they're going to say before they say it. And you laugh before they even say it. And so when it's time to go to bed, I can just go to bed and watch this when I get rest at night. I'm able to get up in the morning and exercise. Either I go for a jog, go in my gym, work out. And if I work out, watch this. After spending 30 minutes jogging, you think I'm going to go in there and eat what? I ain't going to put no junk in my body. Huh? I'm going I'm to eat right. And then when I eat right, I'm more inclined to call my trainer and say, hey, my man, just want to just be accountable. Let you know what I ate today and what I did this morning, so forth and so on. I was being overwhelmed trying to do all five when God says, 
Just change one. And when I change that one, the rest of the habits begin to stack and change. Am I making sense? Keep that on the screen. One, two, three, four, five. All I need is a number. All I need is a number. One, two, one. Partnering with a caring professional. Two, balancing the number and quality of daily calories. Number three, strengthening undeveloped muscles. Four, cardiovascular endurance. Five, physical rest, recovery. Who's in here, guys, challenging you with number one? Like, hold, hold on, hold on. Will you, like, this is your main one, because I know y'all, y'all going to be like, he's one, two, and three. You're going to raise your hand for all of them. I don't, I don't want you to do that. Everybody in here, God might be talking to you about one, but there's one in particular that he's really confronting you about. And the reason he's really confronting you about, because he knows if you change this, the rest of them. For some of you all, it is number one because you're like, if I got a report to somebody to tell them what I'm doing, I am more likely to eat what I'm supposed to eat, work out the way I'm supposed to work out, rest the way I'm supposed to rest. For some of you all, it's number two. If I, if, if I eat right, then watch this. I'm going, I'm going to exercise. I'm going to rest, so forth and so on. So who's number one? Who's got, God's been dealing with you about number one? Partner one. I see you. Miracle, I see you. Thank you. I see you. Number two. Good, 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 good. Number three, strength training, good. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The Lord been dealing with you about strength training. The doctor been telling you. <laughs> and a part of it is my fault because she want to work out with me. I can't do this right. I just, I'll be like, just go on in the house. <laughs> Just go on, I'm gonna do it. I do I'll work out for you. <laughs> Number four. Good. Good. Number five. Look at that. Number five, folks. It's a bunch of y'all just like me. Number five, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand high. Matter of fact, stand up. If you're number five, stand up. Stand up. Come on, y'all. Stand up. Now, everybody, look at them and tell them, stop Netflixing and chilling. <laughs> and you can go to bed at night if you turn Netflix off. <laughs> I'm being silly. I'm done. Listen. Watch this. Watch this. The Apostle Peter has this pattern of, as, as well as the rest of the disciples of marginalizing people outside of their group, right? It's, a, it's become a habit. It's ingrained in them subconsciously. God sends a subconscious interrupt. And for some of you all, the past four messages have been a subconscious interrupt. There's one thing my doctor been telling me, one thing my friend been telling me, one thing my mama been telling me, not a pastor talking about it. And I'll agree. This is a pop. This is a very uncommon message. It's very uncommon. When, when, when God unctioned my spirit, I'm like, for real? Okay, let's do it. Okay? So what do you do? What, what do you do? What do you do when God is messing with you about a habit? You do what Peter did initially.
he embraced the reality that this has been a pattern, an unhealthy pattern. He told Cornelius that you know, you and I know, that this is against our law, our custom, our habits of how we deal with other people. Some of you all haven't, some of y'all have, instead of embracing the truth that what you're doing is not healthy, you've been trying to explain it away. But it's just how, well, you got to die someday. I heard one guy say, my wife told me this. She was on a, uh, in some, something with this, uh, this, this company and had a group of guys together. And it was around lunchtime. And the guy, he was eating all this food. He said, do you know how much caskets are? He said, I'm going to fill mine up. <laughs> Been using excuses. Cut the excuses and embrace the reality that, God, I agree that this pattern has been wrong. Because watch this. You don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the consistency of your habits. Many of y'all have had, had, have had great goals. But you always land on what you habitually do. And God is trying to get you to shift to a new pattern. But before you shift to new patterns, you got to first agree that this is not. And then once you agree to that, then you open yourself up for a new pattern. Now, I'm, we're going to pause right there. The next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about patterns, how to develop healthy habits, how to break old habits. But initially, you got to do these two things. Agree that it's a wrong pattern and be open to a new one. Before you try to develop a system, before you try to implement a strategy, just agree with what you've done. This is not the right way. But God, I'm open for you to teach me, to train me in a new way. Because this is where many of us fail when it comes to our health. Notice I asked the question, one, two, three, four, five, which category you're in. And across this congregation, every, we had several people in one, several people in two, several people in three. This has been my intent, not to talk about a particular eating regimen, a particular workout plan, because what works for one body type may not work for another. What works for one nutritionally may not work for another. So I'm not selling you on this or selling you on that. I'm just trying to challenge you, challenge you with the idea that God might be confronting you concerning one of these five health areas to say, I need you to agree. This is a bad pattern. But God, I'm open. I'm open to learn. I'm open to learn how to take care of my body. I'm, I'm open to learn how to eat. I'm open to learn what exercises work best for me. I'm open to learn the type of people who I need to talk to, the professionals I need to connect with. I'm open. I'm open to learn. Is that anybody in this place on today? Is that anybody in this place on today? Can we give God a hand clap of praise? Thank you, Jesus. done, but this is what I love about God. Jamie, 
Anytime God talks to you about something, it's only a sign that he's sending you the grace to accomplish the thing that he's talking to you about. So if God's been, because there's some of you all that are frustrated and, and borderline fearful because you feel God challenging you to do something that you failed in multiple times in the past. Here's the good news. In the past, you probably did it in your own strength and in your own effort. Here's the difference maker. When God started dealing with you about how you resting, when God started dealing with you about how you're training your body, when God started dealing with you about what he wants you to eat and put in on the inside of your body, he sends you a, ooh, thank you. He sends you a measure of grace to help you along the journey. Everybody shout, it is a journey. Shout again, it is a journey. Now shout, I'm going to enjoy the journey. Say it again, I'm going to enjoy the journey. What, what are you talking about, Pastor McGee? What, what, watch this, watch this. I'm not going to wait until I get to a size whatever to rejoice. I'm not going to wait until I get to this to rejoice. Along the journey, I'm going to say, God, thank you for this is the day that you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to push weight today. Not maxing out at the level I want to max out, not running as fast as I want to run. But you know what? I'm going to enjoy the journey and say, God, thank you along the way. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light, and the night and the day. And God says, it is good. What do you mean it's good? You shed light on a muddy mess. But I've done all I'm supposed to do today, and I say it is good. Day number two, he created again, and he finished with this statement, it is good. Day number three, day number four, day number five, he did more creation, and he finished every day until he got to the seventh day, and he said, it is very good. I'm not waiting to the seventh day for the very good. After I finish today, I'm going to say, what I did with my routine, what I did with my health, what I did with my prayer life, it is good. Because there's some of y'all that let the devil intimidate you. As if what you did today wasn't enough because you're not at the place where you want to be. The devil is absolutely a liar. Everybody shout, I'm going to celebrate today what God allows me to do today. Celebrate today. Celebrate today. This commercialized world that we live in, the devil is absolutely a liar. Celebrate today what God allows you to do in your spirit and in your body. Lift those hands all over this building. Father, now in Jesus' name. God, I want to thank you so much for this message. I want to thank you, God, for challenging us. And I want to thank you, God, for sending those conscious interrupts, God, that, 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 that challenge us, God, and make us think about old subconscious unhealthy patterns, God, that we've developed over the years, God. I pray now in Jesus' name, in alignment with the word, God, that you don't send a word, God, that returns unto you void. But the word that you sends out always accomplishes what you sent it to do, Lord God. So therefore, with this word today, there is a grace, God, that you're resting upon your people right now that's going to help us, God, to make healthier choices as to what we put in our body. That's going to help us, Lord God, to rest at night. That's going to help us to give up, God, and engage in physical activity, God, to exercise muscles, God, to exercise our heart health, God. And we thank you for it now. God, the devil don't want us to be around to, to be an example for our grandbabies. But the devil is absolutely a liar. 
He wants our grandchildren to have the same struggle of just having that one generational layer of encouragement. But God, you see, you want, you want Abraham, you want Isaac, you want Jack, you want two and three and four generations of righteous standards to make impartation into the new generation of children. But the devil say, if I can snuff them out early, I can mess up the plan of God for these babies that are coming on the scene. But somebody shout, the devil is a liar. The devil, your plans are canceled now in Jesus' mighty name. Not only will we be around, but we will have the physical strength, the physical stamina, the physical endurance. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. To be impactful. This is what I'm feeling in my spirit. Thank you, God. God not only sends grace for us to make the changes. I want to say this, and I need you to hear me. I need you to hear me. My God today, when God sends a word like this, how many know it's to reverse curses as well? What are you trying to say, Pastor McGee? There's some of us in our past, it's not who you are now, but in your past, there's some things that you did to your body to hurt your body that statistically lends itself to an early demise. But how many know Jesus is still a healer? How many know that Jesus is a deliverer? How many know that Jesus, my God today, can reverse the consequences that you even put up on your body at an earlier age? So as I pray today for healing, as I pray today, thank you, Jesus, for grace and for mercy. I even pray for you for restoration in the name of Jesus, for new kidneys now in Jesus' name, for new livers now in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, God. I pray for those lungs now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Back pain in this place. I pray for healing now, miracles now in Jesus' mighty name. Heart health now. Thank you, Jesus. Clogged arteries. I rebuke it now in Jesus' mighty name. I rebuke strokes now. I rebuke now, my God, today, aneurysms now in Jesus' mighty name. Pre-diabetic, we curse you now in Jesus' name. Diabetes now, number one and number two, we rebuke you now in Jesus' mighty name. As we make changes to do better with our bodies, God, I ask you now that the things that we've done in the past that bring about consequences, that you would remedy those things now in Jesus' mighty name. There are some of you guys that are sluggish in your body. You get tired so easily. I reverse it now in Jesus' mighty name. God sends you strength now. God sends you stamina now. God sends you support now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, I bless you. God, I bless you. God, I thank you. God, I thank you. Thank you that we're healthy not only in spirit, but we're healthy in body. Thank you, Jesus. Heads bowed and eyes closed all over this building. Heads bowed and eyes closed all over this building. I want to make this simple appeal because we're depending on God to help us with this process. It's important that you be in, line, in alignment with God. I can't just ask him for help to do something and I'm refusing to get in alignment with him. Sin is the thing that brings about a gap, a gulf between mankind and God. But God remedied this gulf and supplied a bridge through his son, Jesus. That through faith in Jesus Christ, we're able to reconnect with God, our Father. And everything heaven has, the strength, 
the vision, the grace, the mercy. We have access to it because of this connection with God. So if you're in this place today and you find yourself far away from God, maybe you've heard about him. Maybe you grew up in Sunday school listening about stories of a dying and risen Savior, but you've never made him Lord of your life. Or maybe you're in this place and you're just in a backslidden place. You're in a bad place right now. It's like I, at one point I was serving God and I was committed to him, but for whatever reason I've walked away. And God says, this is the day I want you to come back home with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this building. I'm getting ready to pray for you. If you fall in one or two of those categories where you need to restore your connection, or maybe this is your first time that you want to confess Jesus as your Lord, just lift your hands all over this building. I want to see who you are. I see you in the back. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you, ma'am. I see you. Thank you. I see you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. I see you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask you to repeat this simple prayer after me. And those of you all in here who know the Lord and you're in love with him, I want you to help me to help them in repeating this prayer. Everybody, let's say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I failed you and myself in many ways. And the things that I thought, the things that I've said, the things that I've done to others as well as to myself. I confess to you, Jesus, and I'm asking you to forgive me for all of my sins. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died and that you rose again just for me. I'm asking you now to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. Say, Jesus, run my life. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, Jesus, run my life. Come on, one more time. He, you're giving him permission to take control. Say it again. Say, Jesus, run my life. Now, just for a moment, heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to give you a moment to make that prayer personal. This is your moment. Do it now.